Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is found in James. Who is wise and understanding among you? So you thought you were so smart. Have you ever heard this question addressed to you? Maybe you were looking in a mirror and you look at yourself and you say, you thought you were so smart. You thought it was too, be good, too good to be true, and it was. Some great idea has crashed and burned that seemed so smart at the time. Or when you thought, looking back at some event in your life, you thought, what was I thinking? Was I that not wise. <laughs> or someone dear to you who with concern or maybe another emotion at the time says to you when they saw you fall off your high horse that you were riding, your high horse of selfish ambition, maybe they have said to you, what were you thinking? What wisdom were you operating on that you made such a bad decision? Who is wise and understanding among you is a question James addresses not to unbelievers, but to new believers who had so much to learn about it, what it meant to follow Jesus. They were still struggling with being able to see the world in a new light, but they were still struggling with the fact that that puffed them up, gave them pride and envy, and they looked down at other people because now they were, after all, followers of Jesus and others weren't. They had so much to learn to follow Jesus. Maybe when you, I read our lessons today, you felt a bit uncomfortable because you could relate to the words that James was talking about as you looked at your own decisions, the decisions of those around you, the decisions of your colleagues, members of your family, members of parliament, premiers, prime ministers, city officials, people that drive in front of us and behind us along the road. Let's face it, human wisdom in these COVID days has taken a pretty big hit. As we realize that it's not near as perfect as we thought human wisdom was. As a matter of fact, in more than one case, human wisdom has let us down. And we can't blame others, can we? For we ourselves have shown the same faulty wisdom time and time again. And though we've tried, oh, we have tried to be smart. It seems so often it's easy for us just to make the wrong decision. That's why we came today to hear those wonderful words at the beginning of the service. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because we realize that there is one who can forgive our brokenness and our faulty wisdom and replace it with his. We don't like to face the fact that our wisdom is less than perfect. I feel for Jeremiah, he's often been on my heart as a prophet. Jeremiah had done his job. He had shared the wisdom of God with his nation as nation that's had been warned, warned that their lifestyle and their approach to God and their anti-God feelings were leading them away to a path of destruction. 
And even though it was the truth, they didn't take it. And true human wisdom, when met with the wisdom of God, one of its first reactions is to lash out with anger and vengeance, driving Jeremiah away from them and from his homeland, fleeing for his very life. Jesus, too, had to teach his disciples what it meant to be a follower of him. You notice how after being taught by Jesus, they sat there thinking, well, okay, which one of us is going to be the greatest? You know, who's going to be the top dog in this new administration? Who's going to get all the power? Who's going to be the cool one? And Jesus had to straighten them out by telling them that the definition of wisdom for God is not in the gains of humanity, but in the, in the pain of the cross. As those reading the words of James, those new Christians a bit puffed up with the learning they had, that had been given them, had fallen into that old trap that we do. Where does my life in Christ end and my life as a sinful human being enjoying it, frankly, begin? We keep those two parts of our life somewhat distant. And James is saying, sorry, folks. It's called we need to integrate our lives together in faith. Now, they needed more understanding. They needed to have their vision changed, their behavior changed. The way they very looked at the world and at each other, a whole worldview as we use it today. Now, I wish things were different today, but we still have Christians, ourselves included, who struggle with where our new life is to be in Christ. James talks about two wisdoms And they don't seem to get along too well. The wisdom of God and the wisdom of humanity. One perfect, one broken. Broken so much it doesn't realize it's broken and rejects often with violence the wisdom of God. Look at how many today like the gospel. Sounds pretty good, a nice Jesus, but have little time for the law because the law tells us that we are sinners and we need that Savior And we need him badly. So what is this wisdom of man that James is describing? James is really good at this. Too good, I think. James has been talking about this for the better part of two chapters. And we won't talk about his chapters on the problems we have with our tongue. This wisdom, he says, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. It comes from the mind of humanity and as such is shaped by the broken nature of our humanity. This human wisdom is evident as it shapes the actions of humanity. It leads to all manner of conflicts for where there is selfish ambition, there you will find disorder, he says, and every evil practice. No wonder those words get a bit close to home because we live very much in a world that relies totally on the wisdom of man in all its limitations. In chapter 4, he adds more attributes and consequences of this wisdom in conflict with God, or rather the exclusion of God. It leads to fights, quarrels, not only between those who disagree with us, but internally, into internal conflicts. And we talk a lot today about mental illness. And how much of that is simply we are warring within ourselves. We don't know who we are, where we are, what we are. 
whose we are. One commentator responds as when he talks, the next section says, the words here really should be translated hedonism. You kill, you covet. Hedonism, which is a fit description of how, why we are in so much conflict. I want, I want with what I want. My rights, my freedoms, you fill in the blanks, you hear them every day on the news. Filling in, and I don't care if it causes another person pain or suffering and death. I want to do it my way, and I really don't care what the impact is on you as our hospitals fill up. Again, too close to home these days. Pleasure, or the term we often use, experience, is what we crave and think is the answer to all things. A good experience will make things better, but what we crave is not always what we need. But we don't ask God for what we need, and that's the problem. James make it clear. It ends, we end up not being friends of God, but at war with God. James does not pull punches. There's a lot of law here. And if you don't like law, it makes us really uncomfortable. Our eternal souls depend on his words. Human wisdom can do great things, but its perspective is here on earth, in the mud and mire of sin. It does not see the whole picture, and it certainly cannot solve all the problems. We can cure diseases, but we can't conquer death. To these new Christians struggling, as many do, with living a life of supposed faith, with only the vision of human wisdom, James makes it clear the difference the risen Lord makes in our lives and has made because he has changed us, not because we have the wisdom, but because he has the power to save us and restore us and heal us and his spirit is given to transform us. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Paul says similar things when he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. God's wisdom has perspective, the perspective of heaven, the perspective of the Creator, the Lord and Giver of life, who gave His only Son to die for us. That's the perspective. Our problem is we're here, and He sees the big picture, the eternal picture, the glorious picture, the victorious picture, won by the cross. Those who know true, true wisdom Submit to God's direction, not because God's wisdom is a threat to their fun, but it's a doorway to true life, hope, and true love. God's wisdom is the truth, and all truly wise humanity knows it. I've often said, Thomas Kepler, the father of science, once said, and he was a Lutheran, science is thinking God's thoughts. After him. True wisdom looks to God and his perspective on things to understand the great things and issues of life. This wisdom is full of mercy, James says, finding ways to heal, to restore, and to love those who are broken and those who do the breaking. This truth of wisdom is self evident in the fruits that it yields. Jesus said, By their fruits you will know them. And he was so, so correct. Where true wisdom of God is found, so are the gifts of the Spirit. Impartiality, 
God wants all to be saved, even those who would claim to be his enemies. That's the nature of God's wisdom, which is so different from ours. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. And now James caught the image when he talks about those who show the wisdom of God are ultimately peacemakers, not conflict creators. By the wisdom of God, they seek peace, restoration, not destruction, which happens so often in the name of religion today. Friends in Jesus, it's clear in our lessons what sin has done to us. And it might be easy to succumb to feeling down, to giving up and say, why try it all? We're doomed. The truth is not easy to accept, but this is the road back to healing. This is the power of the gospel we are confronted with today. In a world where many today are lost and in pain and struggling, lashing out and being broken, there is, thank the Lord, good news that we cherish and celebrate as we gather here in the Lord's house today. Yes, Jesus calls us to repentance, to acknowledge that we are sinners, to acknowledge and face what it is that makes us fearful, powerful, and struggling. It calls us to be honest so that we can hear the words from him, I love you. You are my children. I died for you. I shed my blood for you. James might be echoing also the words of the psalmist who says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true wisdom. James says at the end of this passage, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Do you need lifting up? Our world needs lifting up. Lifting up to see the glories and the love of our God. God in his wisdom, a wisdom filled with love towards us, broke the power of sin and death and the devil and our bondage to live enslaved to our limited ways of thinking. He sent prophets to prepare us, Jesus to save us, his spirit to transform us, his daily presence to remind us that we are his. He is the Lord over creation. What may seem foolishness to the wisdom of the world is the very power we need each day to live and to grow and to love and not live in painful resignation or anger or hatred, but live with victory and the vision to see hope, hope where there is none. Nothing, not COVID nor human weakness, can change God's love for us in Jesus and the victory of the cross. And it's that joy that James wanted his followers, his readers, to be aware of today. Dear friends, in Jesus, knowing this, we can face the days ahead with hope. Reaching out in love to those so burdened by these days, living empty lives, enslaved to themselves, fearful of death. We have a Savior who leads us as he led those disciples to see the world in a new way. The real world, the one ruled and saved by God. Not from the grave, but from heaven. He will lift us up. He will lift us up. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. 
We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.